What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Who That Live podcast. It's your boy T Word, People's Champ, here, my co host JT, the Saint Savant. What it do, bro? Uh, you know, bro, just chilling, having a good time, uh, enjoying the roller coaster ride that is the New Orleans Saints. For sure, man, it's, it's been a heck of a roller coaster this year. But uh, for those who don't know, this is the first time in 15 years that the Saints are going to start the season and continue into the season with a new starting quarterback since 2006. Um, so if you could think back to 2006, you'll understand what a bit of a roller coaster was that year. Just like the expectations, not knowing what was coming in, brand new quarterback, brand new coach. Fortunately, we're bringing back the same gym, same coach, mostly the same offensive system. So that's one less thing to worry about. That being said, today we're going to go ahead and cover quite a bit of ground. And we're going to start off with week one. We missed y'all. And we're going to talk about the Saints hosting the Green Bay Packers in Jacksonville, Florida, in the Jack Stadium. They made it look real homely and nice for us. And uh, a 38-3 to shellacking uh, of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going to throw it to you, bro. And um, give me your thoughts on that game, man. And if you can, I want you to highlight at least one player that you felt like really stood out that week. Oh, man, that was a great game. I don't think you could script a better first game than that game. I think that, right. you know, that was I, – I don't see anything better. I mean, you came out, first drive, you dominated time of possession. Like, that game at the end of the game did not tell the story of how much the Saints dominated time of possession. That's probably the most dominant time of possession we've ever seen in an NFL game in years. I mean, they did whatever sure. they wanted. Uh, you know, it, it was, and it was good because it was all three sides of the ball. You know, the Saints, they didn't have a lot of total yardage as far as what they did on offense. But I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, the Saints' average starting field position in the second half was the Packers' 31-yard line. You know, Something they like didn't that. have to drive the field. They didn't have to drive For the sure. field. They just kind of stayed where they were, and they just did what they were supposed to do. You can't get mad at a team for doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, as far as a player that really stood out, yeah, 100%. As far as a player, though, I'd say that really stood out for me, I'm going to go with the guy that, you know, I know you give him a lot of heck sometimes because, you know, he's not always consistent. But I thought Marshawn Lattimore played a great game. Came back, you know, had the cast on, still went out there and balled. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give it to him. I'll give it to Lattimore. You know, that's that's a, that's a good player to give it to. Um, I agree with that. Lattimore had a really good game. Um, overall, um, the, the dominance in the return of Marcus Davenport, the sideline to sideline craziness from Double D and Quan. Um, Cameron Jordan had a lot of hustle, even if he wasn't necessarily making plays, he was impacting plays. That's the cam that we know and love. But honestly, I'm going to give it to um, a guy on the offensive side. I'm going to give it to uh, Jawan Johnson. I thought uh, he made some tough catches that made Jameis Winston look really good. So I want to go ahead and give it to him. I felt like he, he showed up big. And that that conversion for him from wide receiver to tight end has seemed to be really natural. I'd love to see him get a little better at blocking, but I definitely was happy with his performance um, in that game. And I would like to see him progress and do more. And dare I say, we get some Jimmy Graham-type production out of him when things start to come together. Because let's keep in mind, Graham never became an achieved blocker. So we don't need him to be yeah. great at blocking to be great in this offense. Mm-hmm. We need him to catch passes and do the damn thing that he's shown that the ability to do that and make tough adjustments when Jameis puts it on the top shelf, he can go up there and get it. Right. So that will be that. So again, we start off one and oh, and then we head over to Carolina for week two. And Ooh. unfortunately week one, while the score looked great, 
it cost us on the health and injury front. And we lost, I believe, four starters that game. Uh, we ended up losing Marcus Davenport, Marshawn Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And then we also lost Eric McCoy. And if you think about that, that really counts as like a two-part loss when you lose McCoy, because not only do you lose your starting center, your starting guard has to move over to center and now you have to replace him. And with the week to game plan for that type of thing, I think the Panthers took advantage and the Saints end up taking one on the chin. The ugly, what was it? 26 to seven loss. We did block a field goal, so that was cool. But other than that, there were not a lot of bright spots for us. Jameis scrambled for a touchdown. That was cool to see something not norm in New Orleans, but I'm going to throw it to you first. And um, you give me your opinion of week two, man. What did you think of that game in show? That's a film burner, wouldn't you say? That's one for the offense where you just kind of just – for the offensive line, you just got to throw that out of there, right? You can't you can't rewatch oh, yeah. that, can you? I mean, for with, sure. the way that went, I mean, you know, I, I know we're not huge at, P, you know, Twitter anyway. Uh, Brian Baldinger, he does those breakdowns, and everybody enjoys them. And, sure. uh, uh, you know, we, we love them, especially when the Saints are doing good. But this game, he had one, and the Saints had the same blitz – three times in a row. I didn't pick it up either time. You know, it was a simple, they blitzed, I think, the safety off to the side. Uh, or maybe it was even a double-A gap. I'm not sure what it was. I think it was double-A gap blitz, actually. It was double-A. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. and uh, It was double-A. And three times, we didn't pick it up. Three times. Can you imagine what the yeah. our offensive line coach is thinking at home right now? He had to be screaming in that TV. You know what I'm saying? For sure. He's thinking like, oh, I'm getting a pay raise. Yeah. <laughs> ching, yeah. ching. you know what I'm saying you guys yeah. miss me and and you know shout out to Sean Payton man I mean I like the way that unlike some coaches in the south he's gonna go ahead and take all the brunt of the losses he's not gonna point the finger like that's why it was such a big deal when he pointed out when he singled out Michael Thomas in the offseason because he doesn't right. do that no matter how obvious it is that a player's in the wrong he doesn't do that and that's why it was such a big deal but the way he took it on the chin and took total responsibility and refused to use missing coaches as an excuse. So for those who might have been under a rock the last week and a half, the Saints were down eight, eight individuals associated with the team due to COVID and COVID protocol, including Michael Thomas, six coaches, five of which were on the offensive side of the ball, if I'm not mistaken, and then three assistants or something like that. Um, that being said, or two assistants, but the moral of the story is not only were you injured, you were missing some key pieces on the offensive side of the ball that on game day obviously make a big difference, specifically your offensive line coach. So for me, I'm willing to throw out that performance offensively because of everything that was missing. Um, I was watching uh, after further review with Matt uh, Moscona, and um, he shared a stat leading up to the game, and it was kind of ominous when I look back. He said, uh, Mike D, Mike Dettelier had said that the teams that lose their center the following week lose 80% of the time. So the numbers on that alone were stacked against New Orleans. So when you factor that into not only did you lose your center, but now the guy next to him has moved and he's doing something different. And then you've got injuries on defense that are impacting your ability to get off the field and put you in prime position to maybe get something going. It was just going to be a bad day overall. It's one of those, uh, like you said, you, you burn that film, man. You watch it one time and then you throw that crap in the trash and you say, hey, guys, let's get back to work and put our hard hats on. Now, that said, and I'm going to throw it back to you so you can fill in on this too. Defensively, I thought we were just flat and there was no excuse for it. Sure, you're missing your top corner and your top slot. But we had um, Bradley Roby 
and we had true front starting for the Saints. So I felt like we had enough to at least do better than we did. And granted, the defensive backs weren't the issue. We just got no push up front. And I think missing Davenport as a disruptor really hurt. What do you think about that? Well, you know, we started paid turn this game and he ended up having a really good game. But at the first half, he struggled because he's new. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really get mad at a rookie for learning. Rookie. I mean, he didn't yeah. get any preseason. He didn't get any preseason. Mm-hmm. He missed post of camp. You know, actually, it's very surprising. He did as well as he did in that game. Being he missed right. all that time. You know, most rookies don't do that. If they've missed that many times, you don't see them get a sack till maybe like week six, you know, or any mm-hmm. pressure where he's really affecting it. But uh, mm-hmm. to go back to your story, I did. I don't know. I mean, and this has got to go back to the coaches because I believe we were missing a few defensive coaches too. I don't know who decided the game plan to leave Zach Bond on an island with Christian McCaffrey. That was a very big mistake. I mean, the man, I mean, I like Zach Bond. I know, you know, I've defended him, uh, but I don't think anybody would say, yeah, let, let's leave Zach Bond out there in the man, in the middle of the field. Let's just, let's see what he can, if he can cover Christian McCaffrey. That's a hard ask for Quan Alexander. And we know how athletic he is. Zach Bond's still learning the position. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that game plan. I feel like if you got Chauncey out there, it's probably a little different. But, you know, we didn't have Chauncey this game. So Mm -hmm. I think the biggest reason we struggled in the first half was we just the middle of the field. I mean, the tight ends were getting open. Christian McCaffrey was getting open. The boundaries didn't really get that open until I think uh, Adebo gave up that touchdown in one-on-one. But, you, I mean, he's a rookie. He's not going to beat, you know, DJ Moore is actually a really good receiver. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, that 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 was a – you know, it was so, so like, I got mad at the defense, but I didn't get, like, extremely angry. I just didn't like the game plan. I thought the players were doing okay, but mm-hmm. I didn't like how they left, you know, bought on an island, and they were leaving certain players, like your younger players, on an island. But, you know, yeah. I, we got to give them credit because we'll get to the second half. They really adjusted, I thought. I thought they did a really good oh, job sure. adjusting. The defense got on track in the second half, and the game was still within reach. It was 17-0 at the half, so we had a chance. We had just missed points, too. We had missed three points. Yeah. You go into the half down 17-3. It's kind of a it's different complexion. Bad. When you look at it, it's two possessions versus three possessions. That being said, I believe that um, the high the high receiver for um, Carolina was DJ Moore. He has six catches for 79 yards. So we're looking at their top receiver averaging roughly 11.6 yards per catch. I'm not mad at that at all. I thought that that's great for the rookie and Bradley Roby to limit him. Um, I think their next receiver, uh, Robbie Anderson, had like 50 yards. Honestly, um, Sam Darnold's final stat line, his final line was death by a thousand cuts. He had a lot of completions yeah. for 300 some yards. It wasn't like they just gave up three, four big plays and then the Saints just chased the rest of the game. Um, they beat the Saints up throughout the day. And I think that's what's more disheartening. If you could look at it, sometimes it's better if you just blow a few coverages and they just get away from you. Then it's like, right. yeah, we're a couple of plays away from winning. But when you just get beat wire to wire like that, like we did offensively and defensively, I think it's hard to recover. So it is. we'll close the book on that because, listen, man, my heart hurts even talking about that. I ain't seen the Saints get their ass kicked like that since Seattle in 2013. I ain't going to lie. It's been a while. Yeah, so, it's been a long time. I, we can't even give a player the game, but I will say this. One stat I want to throw at you. So I looked up the grades, and uh, in week one, Marcus Davenport had two tackles, a sack, and four pressures. They gave him like a 56.2 grade on PFF. Peyton Turner in his rookie debut had five tackles, one sack, and I think four hurries, and they gave him a 72.2 grade, which was green on their website. So for a rookie, day one, that's amazing. 
to say he sat out a week where everybody else was one week oh, ahead yeah. in speed. So want to throw that out there for the people. So that's one bright spot. Way to go, Peyton, man. Glad that you're showing that you were worth that number one pick early on. So moving on to week three, heading up to Foxborough. And uh, if, if Peyton Manning is telling the truth, they better not be talking about the game plan in the locker room, man. That's all I'm going to say. And um, we're going to see how the things <laughs> do. So I'm going to give it to you first. And I want you to talk a little bit about a key key to victory on offense and then the key to victory on defense. Uh, well, I think the offensive one is pretty simple. We got to protect Jameis Winston. We can't have a game anywhere near like what we had uh, last week. Because let me tell you something. The Patriots, if I was the Patriots, which I'm not, obviously. I'm not Bill Belichick, you know. But if I was, first thing I'd run is that double-A gap blitz to see if the Saints are going to cover it. I mean, that. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to. I mean, they, they, they ran it three times in a row. Belichick is going to try them and see what they're going to do. Uh, you know that you know the first thing they're probably going to want to do is take away uh, Alvin Kamara because that's what Belichick likes to do. You go into any game, Belichick takes away your best weapon. He says, you can't have him. Somebody else has to beat us. Uh, mm-hmm. So now it will be hard to take away Alvin Kamara because Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara. He, be used, he can He's be used still. so many different ways. But right. uh, I think they'll, that's what they'll go in game planning for. So what does that mean? That means our wide receivers have to get open. Our tight ends need to play. Uh, we need to see Adam Trotman finally, you know, wake up. You know, I've been an Adam Trotman hype train, but he's kind of just been using an inline blocker, and they really haven't used him much in the receiving game. Uh, so we need to see him get a little more catches. Uh, Juwan Johnson needs to be more involved in the offensive game plan, I think, because I was just looking at the Patriots' depth chart, and he would be a total mismatch for them. Like, if he was out mm-hmm. there, I mean, the McCourty brought, McCourty's still there, but I don't know if McCourty's covering. Uh, so I think that. For McCourty, I would say they're going to need to put a corner on. They're going to need to put a corner in there in coverage instead of a safety and just limit what Johnson does going up and down the field. Somebody that can run with him because at heart, he's still kind of a receiver. So it's not like that yeah. person's going to get washed in a blocking situation. When he's in line, then maybe you bring McCourty down and see what he can do. But when he's getting in the stand up and he split out a little bit, you put a corner out there and just hope for the best. And obviously, Jameis going to put that on the top shelf. But we'll see. So from a defensive standpoint, what do you think will be a great strategy for the Saints um, going into this game to face this rookie quarterback at Mac Jones? Well, you know, here recently, ever since Drew Brees' arm fell off, you know, air yards has been a really big stat. Everybody talks about air yards. Well, uh, Mac Jones is averaging, I think, three air yards a pass. Like, that's all he's getting. He ain't getting nothing. So, basically, crowd the line of scrimmage, make him try to beat you deep, don't let him – you know, kind of use, like, how the Saints, how everybody played them. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, you know, all the safeties stayed up, and, you know, they just said, you know, we're not going to have to stay back. I mean, unless Mac Jones starts beating us deep, we're just going to stay up at the line of scrimmage. We're going to make sound tackles because that's one thing the Saints do really well. It looks like we're going to have all of our defensive players. You know, we're recording this Thursday night, and – uh, we have nobody who's did not participate on the defensive side. You know, we had today, it looked like Pete Werner is going to make his debut. It looks like, cause he's, he's been a full, he was a full participant today. You know, Tano Passigno, he's a full participant the both days this week. So he looks like he'll be back. We really missed him. I think in the middle, I think that he generated a lot of pressure for us up the middle and we didn't get that with Roach and uh, uh, Ringo. Um, so right. I think he'll help a lot. CGJ, you know, being back, that's really good. Let's be honest. The, the Patriots receivers are kind of like ours. They're just not that good. I mean, they have they have a few guys. Like, they're – I mean, they're – what they're – I think they're top guys, Jacoby Myers, which he's a 
he's like a good receiver, but he's not great. Like you can definitely take right. him away. If Marshawn Lattimore's out there, he's he's gonna erase him. Yeah. And, you know, you got Courtney Roby. Yeah, we got yeah. Courtney Roby. You know, he can I feel like you can Bradley. be confident. Yeah. Bradley. Bradley. Yeah, I Bradley. say Courtney. Yeah. Oh, I hear Courtney. Shout out Courtney <laughs> yeah. Roby. Hey, Bradley Roby. And uh, you know, we got him and he looked really good, I thought. For a guy who just kind of came out there, he didn't even get a full week of camp, you know, I mean, or anything. He right. didn't get camp or anything like that. Just kind of just was out there and they said, All right, go cover Robbie Anderson or Roby. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And yeah, uh Robbie he did great. Yeah. I thought he did fine. And then, of course, we got Paulson Debo out there. So, honestly, I wouldn't be upset if we kind of maybe move Malcolm off the field a few times and leave CGJ as a safety, maybe throw uh, Roby or Debo in the slot some a little bit, you know, if we need to. I mean, because uh, I, I think our I think corners the, are really good. With the way Malcolm is playing and with the fact that he's been so big about getting the communication system down, because That's we're integrating true. guys that weren't there, I, I might be really good to pull him, him off. Like, if you're going to pull voice. a guy off for some snaps, right, you could play around and move Malcolm to free, drop Chauncey back, and maybe let Marcus get a little time off the field. But I'm not taking my best players off the field at all. And Malcolm, yeah. even if his performance isn't super elite anymore, that, that voice and that leadership between the chalk is going to be important. I like where you're going with that, though. You're trying to get those young players into their roles. I, so I, I yeah, Adebo. Man, I just, I just, I love the Debo out there, man. And I think he just gets better every week. I mean, it's like, he is always right there. Like, you know how we used to see Crawley, you know, he'd get beat or he'd get tugged on the drive. It seems like every time the ball is there, he's there. Like, he's with the guy. Like, he may get beat. And eventually, that's going to happen less and less and less and less. Like, I I did not see a Debo being this good from start. I mean, he missed a whole year. I mean, I thought he was going to kind of just have to, have to integrate itself, you know, a little bit from missing a year of college. Uh, I mean, we haven't really seen that to where a guy just takes off a year of college and comes back and does too great of a thing. This is kind of new to us with the whole uh, COVID situation. So I was really impressed for him to come back and play as well as he has because he looks like he belongs. It's not like a guy who you can kind of see. You know, I know you being a corner, you know, and you kind of see when guys look lost out there. Adebo does what you say all the time. He has – no memory of a bad play. If he gets beat or something, he's going to go back out there and just play just like he did. He, you know, there's guys like, you know, I know you like Eli Apple. Eli Apple, if he got beat, he'd lose his confidence. And, Quick uh, yeah. right, Quick that's something that you need. So, yeah, I've been really impressed about Adiba. Just wanted to talk about that a little bit. So I just have a real hard time wanting to get him off the field. But I also understand Roby probably gives you your best – starting Roby's probably your best situation to win. So so here's here's the smart money. Um, if we're going to talk about substitutions and strategy and scheming, I would say, and like I said, I hate taking the best players off the field, but Marshawn is not going to be 100% until that cast comes off. I don't yeah. care what you say. That's true. Or, or what anybody says. So I would say if you're going to move around pieces, depending on what the Patriots' offensive approach is, if they're not heavily investing time and feeding the receivers, I'm swapping out Lattimore and I'm spelling him because – He's still injured. Even though he's in the cast, he's had surgery, he's still injured. I'm not putting him out there where he's trying to make tackles. You know, he's not seeing 50 snaps or 60 snaps. Right. I'd split time with the Debo with him because then if they're kind of picking one side and say, hey, we're going to set you up on the left, you're not going to travel a Debo, work with Sean. So when Sean, when they're on the sideline between series, Sean can say, hey, when they're coming over here, this is what they're doing. This is what you're seeing. And he can actually be more of a mentor and coach. I don't think a lot of players do this, but I feel like he could because you want that defense to be just as good whether you're in there or not because you already got your bag. Your spot is secure. Right. But you help that rookie get better because we don't know what's going to happen with Bradley Roby. 
You know, it could be an eject no. button after a year. But if we get a Debo, we invested a pick in this guy. And while we're talking about that, keep in mind, I'm not super shocked that he's so good because this dude had first-round talent. Had he played last year and went injury-free, he likely gets drafted in the first round and we can't touch him. So that first-round corner we were trying to move up for, we actually got him in the third round, just like we right. got Von Bell, just like we got Marcus Williams. These guys who went under the radar and we were able to scoop him up on the low deal, and now we got him for the next four years for dirt cheap. Playing this way, this dude's going to be looking for money in two and a half years. Trust me. He's going to ball out. Yeah. And we're going to have two number one corners. That's my prediction. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and jump in and talk about what I think would be offensive strategy. Uh, we're going to have to commit to running the ball and not put the line in a situation where they have to worry about picking up blitzes and just smash these guys in the mouth and just go strength on strength. We're going to make their front seven focus against our front five or six guys, and we're just going to make it happen. If we got to put Taysom in that pullback or inline tight end to go smash down, clamp down, and make blocks, then that's what we got to do. Use Jawan Johnson's big body and then do some – let's not worry about play action so much right now because we haven't quite put out enough tape for play action to be effective yet. And that's why Carolina was like, we're coming after Jameis. We don't care if it's a run fake or not. We're going to come after him. We want to put the Patriots in a position where they're going to have to sit back because we have actually run the ball. They're going to have to clamp down, crash down the line, load the box. And then once we see them doing and overcommitting to the run, then we can run the PA boots and all that stuff. And Jameis is going to be wide open tossing to Jawan Johnson. Defensively, I feel like we just need to play like we did in the second half last week. So that that 24, I mean, that 30 minutes of football last week, that first 30 minutes in Carolina, we just need to pretend it never happened on defense. And we need to play like the 60 minutes prior and the last 30 minutes. So that 90 minutes of football where we were the Saints that we know and love, I want to see them come out like that from the first whistle to the final whistle. And I think the Saints will be okay. Specifically, I would like to see us do more with our corners and defensive backs to where the only linebacker I want to see on the field half the time is going to be DeMario Davis. I'd rather see us play, you know, five or six defensive backs at times. Yeah, that, 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 that'd be interesting. That'd be Maybe you I use Malcolm J- Jenkins as like a pseudo linebacker kind of deal? For sure. Put him down the linebacker. Now, that's going to be – and uh, that's why I didn't bring it up earlier. I wanted you to be able to hash your point out. But for me, I would say this is what it looks like in my opinion. You've got Lattimore and Roby on the corners. And then in the slot, you've got Trufant, and you've got Malcolm. So he's a slot slash linebacker. Then you've got DeMario Davis out there, and then you've got um, Chauncey and Marcus back at safety. That'd be pretty good. Uh, I know you, we haven't touched on him yet. I know we haven't touched on him yet, but uh, a guy we should get back, I think we, I kind of talked about the injury report, is Pete Werner. And the one thing Pete Werner was really good at, and, and I know he's a white guy, so a lot of people don't associate this, but he was really good in coverage. He was like a very good coverage linebacker. Uh, he actually played some safety at Ohio State. That's how good a coverage guy he was. So at least we'll get some of that back because mm-hmm. you mentioned James White. James White is still a threat. I mean, he still can come out the backfield and do some of the things. Not near as good as Christian McCaffrey, obviously. But, yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more Pete Werner than Zach Maughan this game. We're going to go back For to sure. your linebacker situation. Uh, just because sure. I think that's that's more of what you'll need this game. In, in questionable downs where they could run, could pass, like in in short situations, you put Bond out there because he's going to fly to the ball, make something happen. Maybe you could blitz him off the edge, stuff like that. But in obvious passing downs, you know, especially long situations, I want to see one out there or I want to see six DBs with double They got two good tight ends. Yeah. They got two well, good tight ends. 
And we can make that happen because we're going to have the cover guys. And we have big dudes on defense in the secondary. Like, everybody's yeah. like six foot or bigger. These ain't a bunch yeah. of little kids. These dudes no. are like six foot, six one. We got some height. Like, like, yeah, and, and then we got some guys that come in late in lumber and they bring the hits. So, in my opinion, I think that we're equipped to handle teams that have two yeah. top-level tight ends. And then we're also equipped to handle teams with a lot of receivers. Again, against Carolina, it all starts up front. If we get the push up front, they have way less success, and we make Sam Donald very uncomfortable, and he probably has a game like Jameis. The tables were turned, and unfortunately, what we did to Green Bay got done to us the next week. So now we know that can happen to us on any given Sunday. So we're going to go ahead and try to wrap this thing up, bro. Any final words before we head into this week three matchup with the Patriots? Uh, no, nah, man. Like I said, I just touched on Pete Werner. I'm excited to see him. I like to see our rookies. I really – I know we were a lot of people were very low on this class because we all watch the mock drafts. We all pay attention to all the mock stuff. You know, we look at this and that and because we're we're just we're NFL nuts. I mean, we just love that stuff. So when we see a guy like Peyton Turner, who's been a third round pick in everybody's mock draft and the Saints pick him at first overall or or the first round, you know, everybody gets upset. And uh, I think that this is going to be a class that goes to show you that the mock drafters are mock drafters for a reason. You know, they don't know everything. Like they can call themselves experts like at TDN and and all them and pro football network, all those like, yeah, they're, they're probably like, don't get me wrong. They, they're probably good scouts, but they don't know all that we think they know. Like Paulson Adebo looks really good. Peyton Turner looks really good. We're about to see Pete Werner. I think this Mm -hmm. class could be a very, very good class for us. You know, um, that's a good point that you make, and I want to close on that as well. So I think that the Saints have figured out, and it's been since about, I'd say, 2015, 16, around that draft when we got Mike, or you could even say it started with the draft with Pete. We made some misfires, but we kind of got the ball rolling um, since Ireland and his group came in. The biggest thing about what the Saints are able to do is they find the pieces that fit what they like to do, and now it works. And that's what's important. So regardless of what the draft pundits and all these people say, the Saints say, hey, we don't care what grade you put on that guy. If it's somebody we really like, we're going to go get him. Now, obviously, there are going to be misfires because that happens. No team, oh, yeah. no staff is perfect. The Ravens drafted uh-huh. from, like, like when they moved to Baltimore and all that, they had some amazing drafts for, like, several years. But they had a few misfires, and people just forget that. That being said, the Saints are in that zone right now. Like, they're picking the perfect fits for their team. And that's how you go and trade for a guy like, Bradley Roby and it fits. Are you going to get Quan Alexander? He seems like the missing link to take your defense to the next level. So now you know yeah. if you can find a guy like Quan, you can make it happen. So to me, I think the Saints have gotten into that zone of we know how to find goddamn football players and we're going to get the right. guys that fit what we like to do and it continues to work. And that's why I'm also confident that Jameis Winston is the guy that'll take them to the next level, get them into the NFC Championship for the next couple of years and possibly even get them to the Super Bowl. So on that note, we're going to close it out. Hey, tell them how to find you on Twitter, bro. Uh, you can look me up at JT25Saints. Uh, I'll be on there most of the time, just out there, you know, BSing, trying not to do work, you know, being lazy, uh, you know. Hey, y'all follow my boy. He's super active. I'm not active on any social media in a sports regard, so don't worry about following me. Follow my boy. He's going to have the episodes posted. He's going to give you some hot takes during the, during the game. And when I say hot, I'm talking about smoking. <laughs> So check out the oh, boy, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Hey, and don't forget to go ahead and subscribe to the Let's Connect Media Network on SoundCloud so you can get all the updates when these episodes drop. Follow us, and very soon, we're going to bring that full video element to you guys that's going to be on YouTube. I'm still building the platform up, 
getting everything set up. Once I work out all the details, we're going to take this game to the next level. Hey, we're going to be up there with Locked On Saints and Stay the Saints podcast. Shout out to all those guys. But we're next. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So be on the lookout. So until the next time, this has been your boy T-Word, the People's Champ, my co-host JT. We're out this thing. Peace.